To move left idiots a socialist talk podcast i'm your host anthony montrulo joined here by my co-host comrade dracula comrade what's going on i am here to talk socialism on a podcast and how it relates to the world around us yes uh so yeah good to be here yeah yeah definitely <laughs> absolutely um this this is the first time we're doing this intro of course this is not the second time we didn't start recording with the uh, no this is take one like this is take one yeah so you were i, I have the sense you're going to ask me about uh what it feels like to be a uh a, a pinko commie well, yeah dirty commie in in light of in light of uh stranger things showing showing you the error of your ways this season uh, yeah how, how do you yeah feel well, about also that? Also, the Chernobyl series was pretty heavy-handed with uh, uh, some propaganda there. So, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, kind of a, always wary of uh, the blacklist coming back and persecution for uh, wanting collectivism uh, in society. But uh, I, I, I have noticed uh, today in, in, in the news, Ted Nugent was indignant that uh, his home state of Michigan, also my home state, is no longer part of America it turns out he, the, the, wow. we, Michigan has now joined the communist ranks of California, and New York. Uh, so we are now the Soviet Republic of Michigan, apparently, which is ironic because, you know, T- Ted Nugent was always wearing the Confederate flag. So here's a secessionist who, who literally <laughs> was like, you know, favor being a traitor and being a terrorist to the, to the United States. Uh, he's in favor of that. Um, now he's mad that Michigan went the other way. and We've now apparently seceded to become a, a Soviet state. Yeah, no, and he, and he loves America so much that he purposely shit his pants to not go fight in an imperialist war when he was of age. So you know he's he's super yeah. he's super pro America. Um, but no, in any event, um, yeah. So we got a lot of stuff we want to get to today. Um, but also, people should check out uh, later this week. I guess maybe Monday we'll be dropping a review of Stranger Things. So, season if you want to hear three. more of our thoughts, season three, yeah, not the whole. I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about the whole series. But if you yeah. want to hear our thoughts about this season and about the kind of Russian aspects, but just in general, our, our review of the show, which I largely enjoyed, um, yeah, that'll probably be dropping on Monday. So check that out. Um, yeah, so let's let's get into the uh, news of the week asterisk <laughs> since yeah. we just did an episode like two days ago. The news uh, of the last two or so plenty, days, <laughs> plenty of new things to be enraged about in the world. Um, yeah, yeah, so well, I mean, so yeah, we you know, on Monday we talked about Jeffrey Epstein and that insane fucking story and how he's finally it, it appears at least like he's finally gonna be held accountable for his. Uh, decades of crimes and and you know his, his child prostitution ring like that he's running disgusting uh person that he is and so like so there were just a couple of updates that uh, i wanted to talk about today uh the, one of the more interesting things is like i, I don't know about you but i was always, i i mean i i assume that every billionaire uh gets their funds through some ill-begotten means either from you know inheriting it from their equally do nothing shithead parents or you know stealing it in some way via wall street or whatever but apparently he got it in an even shadier way apparently epstein was part uh, this allegedly was partners with this uh this hedge fund guy who ran uh one of the biggest ponzi schemes in u.s history 
uh, who I, who I believe went to jail for it and was, you know, was, uh, convicted of, of running this Ponzi scheme, but, uh, Epstein ended up, uh, skating on it somehow. He was basically yeah. one of the, well, the, the guy that went to jail, the guy that went to jail claims that Epstein was involved in it, but he was never charged with anything. So that very easily could just be, you know, they knew he was involved. They just didn't have enough evidence. They knew it was going to be, you know, a sure. mountain uh, turtle trying to, trying to get him. Uh, but the guy that went to jail, I mean, he has nothing, you know, like he's already in there, right? I'm sure he he talked all he could to get the, the best possible deal. Um, so if he's naming Epstein, that I'm, I guarantee he's. <laughs> yeah, he, he's probably like, yeah, this guy's a fucking freak. I don't, I don't want anything to do with him. He's, yeah. But in any event, so apparently that's where he got the seed money to start his hedge fund, which is where he, you know, further stole money from from people, you know, and in, in, in the in the legal way that everyone steals money from people on Wall Street, right? But that's how he that's how he became a billionaire, and you know, I, I'm sure there's some element of his wealth comes from the fact that he ran this 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 elab- massively elaborate child prostitution ring with his private island and flew uh, yeah. out all well, of these billionaires. I mean, the, the money for the actual. You know, women, young women being trafficked, I don't think generate a lot of money, but it's the, you know, getting a bunch of basically child prostitutes to hang out with his buddies. Certainly it's, you know, it, that, that's... It greases that's, the wheels for business deals yeah. and, and other yeah, no, exactly. money to flow it's, his it's, way, it's you know? It's disgusting. It's like, well, if I'm, you want this business deal, I'm going to fly out to your island. And, you know, what are the, what are the women you going to bring me? You know, like this is, this, this is their world. <laughs> this is how they think. Yeah, allegedly, of course. <laughs> um don't sue us but uh in any event yeah so that that was uh you know an interesting article to come out this week there was something else that came out uh regarding his case well there were a lot of little little articles that came out but you you uh highlighted a couple of interesting kind of tidbits from them right well one of them was that in you know the original case that uh you know acosta did a deal with without any of the victim's knowledge which is illegal uh, which basically nullifies the deal. Um, there was four other people originally named in the charges, right? And yeah. the, it, when he d- got the deal, I mean, usually when you get a deal, you name your your co-conspirators. You you get a deal because you're naming other people. You're ratting on them. And the only time I've ever heard of a case where you're getting a deal to not rat on other people. Right. So that's pretty that's pretty fucking amazing. Right. It's a little suspicious. Um, and it also it also basically said that it would grant immunity to him, these four other people and any other person related to the case in the future like that. That can't that can't be fucking possible. There's no legal, you know, standing for such a thing. But of course, Dershowitz will fucking come up with anything. Right. You can just come up with new laws. Uh, so just the idea that we know there's at least four other people who were going to be getting charged. We yeah. know that. Dershowitz, right? almost definitely among them, allegedly, because uh, he's in- extremely so happy yeah, for random people on Twitter. But possibly a former president or possibly a current president. We <laughs> yeah. don't know. But it's written down somewhere. It's, it's you know, it wasn't in the, the, the verbiage of the, of the deal, and that deal was sealed for a long time, apparently. But it is written down somewhere. So a court order can get those names. And, and I feel yeah. like that's that's the thing where it's like, oh, we already know who these other people were. It's a, there's already a record of it somewhere. Right. And and this case is definitely going to bring that out. It's it's going to 
it's going to see the light of day. Um, the other, the other really dark and scary twist in this I read was, you know, part of Acosta's reasoning was that he was told to back off by, you know, he didn't say by who, but clearly somebody higher up in the Department of Justice, because, quote, I was told Epstein belonged to intelligence and to leave it alone. <laughs> so basically saying somebody was told him Epstein's with the CIA. Yeah. Like, and, and, and or, we know that the CIA is, it has, you know, quote unquote assets in their entertainment industry and Wall Street. Like, they have people that are report back to them in all these different industries, right? People that are high up, people that are wealthy, people that are game show hosts. You know, we, we know that's, that's not even conspiracy theory. Like, they just do that. You know, presidents yeah, of other countries, Manuel Nguyen for the CIA, right? So, it, the idea that this guy was being protected all this time because he had some kind of, uh, some kind of importance to the Central Intelligence Agency, like that. That's a huge bombshell to me. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, well, the I, other, I don't know why that's not the other interesting. Well, the other interesting thing with that is that apparently he uh, is very friendly with uh, a lot of other Middle Eastern intelligence agencies, and he's apparently like very good friends with MBS in Saudi Arabia. I'm sure he's uh, buddy buddy with Netanyahu. Like he's a very uh, he 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 uses his money to peddle influence as much as possible, much like another person we're going to talk about this episode. But yeah, um, so I mean, I, I think for that reason alone, he was kind of uh, probably you know who knows, but recruited by the CIA just because like hey, you know, you happen to know all these really powerful people while you're there, like you know, the, we, we we can help each other. I think and and no, you know, absolutely, yeah. The way uh, he helped was by you know giving them intel or whatever, and the way they helped was by making sure his kitty touching charges go away. And by and by the way, we should mention Alex Acosta, who you mentioned, is um, Trump's current labor secretary. You know, it, it, it's it's weird that Trump uh, was in on what kind of labor is is allowed and what kind aren't. Apparently, child <laughs> sex labor is perfectly fine to the secretary of labor. Yeah. Consenting adult sex sex work not cool, but you know, child, uh, you know, children being sold into sex slavery totally cool with Alex Acosta, <sighs> allegedly. But no, so Alex Acosta is, is somebody that really it's it, it, it's such a strange appointment for Trump because it's like Trump is well known to uh, be an associate of Epstein's. You know, talked about what a great guy he is. Now he loves younger women. Back in you know two thousand two, we we. Uh, read that quote last week um and all of a sudden the guy who who gives him just this this preposterous like un un uh d- n- uncalled for uh no illegal. prosecution plea deal yeah illegal, illegal plea deal. <laughs> yeah <laughs> there's a law that specifically says that you cannot make any deal <clears throat> with somebody accused of sexual assault without without conferring with the victims Without conferring yeah. with with the plaintiffs in the case, you can't just miraculously. Uh, he so, just yeah. miraculously picked that guy. Like what? Right, right. So clearly, this guy proved his loyalty uh, to these people a long time ago, and you know they they don't reward him right away, but they keep his name on a list, and eventually he gets uh-huh. a nice cushy job doing who knows what the fuck the Secretary of Labor does. I don't know what the I know what they do on a state level, but on a federal level, <laughs> probably the- not much. Well, yeah, I mean, Tom Perez was Obama's Secretary of Labor, if that tells you oh. anything. So, oh, yeah. Um, it, uh, what was I going to say? So, I mean, you know, and this is like some straight up bro- Bohemian Grove shit, like the way that they protect each other. Um, but, you know, it, 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 it's it's really fucking 
oh god it's, it's, yeah. it's a horrible this, situation this, this so. is what we talked about on the other day that you know like you don't need fake conspiracy theories because the real ones are are fucking juicy enough you know you don't need to have some other level of of you know chemtrails involved in any of this it's yeah, like the, <laughs> yeah, the real life stuff is is good enough. I don't know why people aren't satisfied with it. Alex Jones is out there just like, oh, and it, since that got proved, now now we're to go back to the you know the frogs turning gay. It's like okay, come on. <laughs> just gotta yeah. fucking can't. I, I guess if you have three hours to fill a day, like you fall into that trap of like just coming up with shit, and then you get more and more famous. And it's like, why not? Why not? What can't I say that these people people will believe? Well, there's also this really funny thing, though, on 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 right wing Twitter, where a bunch of them are like defending Jeffrey Epstein now just because Trump might be, be implicated in it. Of course. Like, yeah, of course. It's just so hilarious. Yeah. And, and somebody put out a meme and it was like the, the left is hoping that uh, Trump gets taken down and the. Uh, or no, it was uh, the, the the right is hoping Bill Clinton gets taken down and taken down. The left is hoping that. I forget how it was. Basically, it was like, actually, no, the real left actually wants to see Trump and Clinton get taken down if they are, in fact, involved in this. But yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I was like, the liberals want to protect Bill Clinton, not the left. Liberals and left are not the same fucking thing for the millionth goddamn time. Well, you know, comrade, some of our faves may get taken down in this un- in this situation, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I think we'll I, mean, I think we'll survive like, Nobody, nobody who's like really actually on the left ever has problems like this, right? It's it's almost yeah. like there there's a, a, a difference of ideology when it comes to this kind of stuff. Where you know liberal capitalists, which virtually all liberals are capitalists, and right wing capitalists, like they still like their 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 ideology is succinct, right? There there's not really much difference when you look at the way Bill Clinton looks at young women in the way that Joe Biden looks at young women or the way that Donald Trump looks at young women. It's, it's all the fucking same. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's gross. Um, well, some, so from one shithead billionaire to another, uh, there was another, uh, horrible billionaire in the news this week. Um, Haim Saban, who is a, uh, media, I guess he's like a producer. I I don't really know. Media mogul. That's, that's what they call it. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. Um, so he was in the news this week because he gets interviewed um, by the Hollywood Reporter uh, just because he has money, I guess, not for any you know particular contribution to society or you know politics or discourse or anything like that. But so, well, when you when you own the media, it's easier to set up an interview for yourself, you know. Yeah, and so he he literally you know owns a bunch of media companies, and he said publicly that his. Um, I actually, this is actually a quote, uh, one year at the Saban forum, an annual conference featuring, featuring top officials and public figures from the United States and Israel with the odd Arab leader. Uh, the mogul outlined his three pronged approach for influencing American politics, fund political campaigns, bankroll think tanks and control the media. That was what his, his three planks that he outlined were. So this fucking billionaire piece of shit literally is trying to buy as many media companies as he can to peddle influence and to push his extreme right wing, you know, idea, although he's a Democratic Party donor to push his extremely right wing foreign right. policy ideas and economic party. ideas. Right. So it, and his main goal is the protection of Israel. Right. So you have the right the right wing smear that, you know, oh, the Jews control all the media. And it's like, well, 
here <laughs> you, you have uh, this guy who's a very much a Zionist controlling the media. So it's just funny because like the people that say that are all right wing. And then the, the people that actually, you know, uh, prove that to be true are also right wing. So it's like, <laughs> like it's like the, the two Spider-Mans pointing at each other. Right. Yeah. Uh, so and, and of course, if those people uh, by and large who uh, hate the Jews love Israel. Right. Because they want to, you yeah. know, eventually Jesus is going to come back and, and convert or kill everyone in Israel. Uh, presumably the Christians one, uh, but maybe Palestinians also. Who knows? We'll just have to see. Uh, second coming. Uh, world's coming to an end soon, apparently. Any uh, day now, apparently. So the rapture, the rapture is coming. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. And this guy is a huge uh philanthropic type guy um likes to spread his money around huge donations has a huge charitable foundation so that he can put his name on everything uh and he likes to build things that are i think good things um things like the usc center for applied molecular medicine uh so he's got his name on that that place that's part of a uh, uh, university of southern california i believe mm-hmm. uh you know but but then at the same time he doesn't want people to be able to afford to go there because he's opposed to Bernie Sanders and I would imagine opposed to free college and free health care. So he's building a a medical college or medical university and doesn't want people to have uh, Medicare for all or get free college tuition. Yeah. So I actually have a question. And he also doesn't think Palestinians are people, which is, you know, kind of contrary to all his humanitarian efforts. But so let me, I actually had the quote uh, that he, the, he had from that, that interview he was giving the Hollywood reporter, I guess they asked him about the, uh, Democratic candidates for 2020. Uh, and it was him and his wife doing the interview. And he says, uh, we love all 23 candidates, Haim says, uh, and then pauses. No, minus one. I profoundly dislike Bernie Sanders, and you can write it. I don't give a hoot. He's a communist under the cover of being a socialist. Yes. Uh, he think- <laughs> I know, right? I was like, yeah, pretty much. But that's things reactionaries say that. <laughs> Uh, he thinks that every billionaire is a crook again, you know, where's the lie? Uh, right. he, ca- he calls us the billionaire class and then he attacks us indiscriminately. It's the billionaire class, the bad guys. This is how communists think. So 22 are great. One is a disaster zone. He called Bernie a disaster zone. Right. Well, to capitalism, he just might be, uh, or at least, uh, you know, the most right wing yep. version of it. But, uh, yeah, so I, I in my reading about this guy because I didn't know a whole lot of details about him today. Uh, I, I uh, spent some time researching. He um, apparently back before the before the 2016 primary, uh, Nancy Pelosi actually was possibly considering running for president, and he was this guy was basically one of the people who signed a letter telling her, "You stay out of the race. This is Hillary Clinton's race." So another reason he probably hates Bernie Sanders, too. I'm just one of these people that thinks that all of his money went to waste on Hillary Clinton, which it did uh, to her own fault, not Bernie's. Um, But apparently I can't wait to waste more of his fucking money this year on Joe Biden. Yeah. Oh, man, that's going to be great. You know, honestly, Mike Gravel's on track to make these these debates. He's got five days, five days left and only needs five thousand more donations. Uh, so I donated four dollars uh, and twenty cents, which is one of the suggested donations. He <laughs> needs, by the way, anyone that's listening, that's a, just real quick. That's a really good point. Anyone who has not donated to Mike Gravel, just please go donate a dollar to him. Like he needs he, yeah. what he needs is individual the, donations. Uh, yeah, from yeah. new so donors. If you already have it, won't do any good because it's got to be an individual donations. But if you haven't yet, go to his website, make a donation because yeah. that's how we're going to get him on the debate stage. And I swear to God. I don't think it's an overstatement to say if we can get Mike Gravel on the debate stage, he could single handedly 
destroy Joe Biden's chances. Well, he'll, he'll end Joe Biden's campaign. Like he, he would end yeah. Joe Biden's. If you want to end Joe Biden's campaign, donate a dollar to Mike Gravel. Because Mike Gravel can, can attack Biden in ways that Bernie can't. Right. Yeah. So we need Mike Gravel to be Bernie's attack dog and get up there and just rip him a new asshole. Uh, but yeah, apparently Nancy Pelosi made the mistake of uh, in an interview back sometime during the primary uh, of saying that the superdelegates should should cast their votes along with the majority of how the people voted in those states. And the, he, this this fucking Haim guy went fucking ballistic. He went ballistic <laughs> that Nancy Pelosi should suggest to the Democratic primary uh, that the superdelegates respect the will of the voters. Uh, and, and he basically said, no, that's not going to happen. And you look at and this guy has donated tens of millions of dollars to the DN to, to the DCCC. Uh, so, I mean, it, yeah. It, and then, of course, they're like, oh, we don't we don't money doesn't have any influence on us. That's the Republicans that do that. Like, you're going to be fucking kidding me to say this guy can can simply write a letter and shut up the Speaker of the House when she says something that's like halfway logical. Uh, it basically says, no, I spent all this money on, on buying off your, your par- political party. You're going to do what I say. So, you, yeah. You know what's I, so I, funny about what you just said? I, I just Googled because I was curious. I was like, oh, I wonder if Haim De- uh, Saban is a superdelegate himself, um, which, you know, would be ridiculous because it's only supposed to go to, like, party uh, elected. I mean, the whole concept is ridiculous. But even by their parameters, right. it's supposed to go to elected officials. So when I Googled Haim Saban superdelegate, this article came up. From HuffPo from 2008, superdelegates turned down $1 million offer from Clinton donor. One of Senator Senator Hillary uh, Hillary Clinton's top financial supporters offered $1 million to the Young Democrats of America during a phone conversation in which he also pressed for the organization's two uncommitted superdelegates to endorse Hillary Clinton, the New York Democrat. Uh, A high-ranking official with the Young Democrats told the Huffington Post. Haim Saban, the billionaire entertainment magnate and longtime Clinton supporter, denied the allegation. But four independent sources said that before the North Carolina and Indiana primaries, Saban called the YDA president, David Hart, and offered what was perceived as a lucrative proposal. One million dollars would be made available to the group if Hart and the organization's other uncommitted superdelegate voted for Clinton. So he literally tried to bribe superdelegates to vote against the popular will of, of right. those states, where which Barack Obama won. And, and who uh, knows if that's even legal to do. I mean, it's a no, informal I, I, conversation. I, he can say whatever he wants to and say, well, if you, you know, if you make guys make sure to, to vote this way, then I'll, I'll make sure to I, I suspect do a donation. it's not because he, he vehemently denied it. And if it was legal, he would just be like, yeah, that's why I support. <laughs> like, you know, like. Right. Right. Well, yeah. you know, he's, you so own, he's own a uh, bunch of TV stations. Again, you can control the media. And if you do something naughty, you can make sure it never gets reported on when you own the media. So, yeah. So this guy's a real motherfucker. So the reason the, the, other, the reason he even came on my radar is because Bernie this week rolled out uh, a new page on his website, which is just, you know, chef's kiss. It's amazing. It's um, it, it's a page called anti-endorsements. And it's just a list of all these right wing fuckwad billionaires who have these like ridiculous quotes about him. Like, like that Haim Saban quote about how he's like a disaster zone. Nice. He just yeah. posted all these great quotes from like Mark Cuban and Haim Saban and fucking, um, uh, all the, all the other shithead, like, you know, democratic party mega donors who hate Bernie Sanders. He's just posted all these quotes and he's like, I, you know, and it said, as it says at the top, you know, I welcome their hatred. 
It's Which almost is, like I don't the the first edition of the the uh, Fight Club DVD that came out in in the liner notes of it because it had like a big booklet that came out uh, with it. Where it had like bad reviews of it. it. Yeah, it had all these terrible reviews <laughs> of the movie posted in it in in like kind of like almost faded out print. You know, like we just yeah we welcome your hatred because this was a great fucking movie and you're just you don't understand subversive cinema. Because you're a fucking yeah. stuffy New York Times uh, film critic that, you know, doesn't understand this film's relevance or the story's relevance mm-hmm. to modern culture. Uh, and well, then, of the course, like half of Tyler, Tyler Durden's character. Oh, right. Like that was that's sure that was point. like that's yeah. the point. It's satire of toxic masculinity. And uh-huh. of course, so many young men were just like, oh, no, we should go start fight clubs. It's like, no, that's the that's what you should not do. The film made it clear this is what you should not do. How mm-hmm. can you, you know? There's there's no glorifying romanticization gotta, of, we, of it. We got to record that for move, movie left because we could talk like for two oh, plus hours about that movie. Probably. Oh yeah, yeah. I think if I yeah, that was just listening to the the director's commentary and the screenwriter commentary and the actors commentary. Just listening listen to Brad Pitt and, and Edward Norton talk for two and a half hours is a lot of fun. But uh, that that was a big you know big. Uh, moment for me when i was kind of like you know learning how to look at cinema where you listen to these people mm-hmm. who actually do it and and then you're like oh i i can see all the, the more things that are in a story now thanks thanks to that kind of stuff so i can watch a you know the final season of uh game of thrones and see all the things that everyone else missed upon watching that things like aria uh well i don't want to spoil anything for anyone that hasn't watched yeah, it yeah. yet but there's a but, lot but there that, that that's people did not miss. And this is so off topic, but that's one of the things that I, I think we've talked about it before on the movie show about that. That's kind of sad about the kind of death of DVD and Blu-ray and like the, the advent of streaming is that you lose all these directors commentaries. And I think you, you talk to most filmmakers, especially ones who grew up in like the 90s when like and then like 2000s when DVD was really a thing. Uh, will will tell you like they learn more for you learn more from a director's commentary from like a great film than you ever learn in film school. And like, you know, you totally need well, to know fundamentals, you, but you learn a lot more in a condensed amount of time. It's like having a little, you know, like when I, when I went to, to school, uh, one of the um, a cinematographer, director of photography that had worked with Tom Hanks a bunch of times, um, he was just like who Tom liked to be photographed by, came in and talked to us. And basically, you know, that was like a director's commentary. You got to talk to somebody who actually does it. That's Rather awesome, than just a teacher yeah. that you know, kind of learn about it, but uh, you know, still, if you want to get your hands on a camera, you got to go to school, right? Unless you can yeah, afford no. your own uh, camera. Yeah, and if you <laughs> right, want to be in a so. film, in, into film, definitely go to film school because you meet a lot of yeah. people that are good. Like, but I'm just like I think I found a lot more invaluable screenwriting advice from watching directors' commentaries and even watching YouTube videos uh, where like screenwriters I really admire would break down elements of the craft and things like that but it been in any event we'll we'll talk about that i'm sure on the movie review yeah. uh podcast but so um yeah fuck i'm saban i i think that's that's about the long and short of uh of that yep. story and 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 you know I, bernie sanders uh just we were all worried going into this campaign about the way they would approach the media this go around because obviously the media completely fucked him and completely did everything they can to bury his campaign and to smear him when he wasn't getting buried. You know, it was just a total hatchet job the entire time. And the only strategy that he really had to fight, fight them is to fight back and to punch them in the fucking face, which is what we were saying, you know, in 2015 and 2016. And he, I think he just, unfortunately was, is so not in doctrine, but he was so, 
ensconced in Washington that he still felt kind of bad about these. Like, ah, well, they're, they're mostly good. Like he still had that kind of like, you know, like timidness about calling these people out because he's like, look, I know they're bullshitting, but like, I think they're good people. I think they're just don't know. But I think he realized like, no, they're, they're actively sabotaging me. And the only way I'm going to fight back is to bring my message to the American people. And that's what he's fucking doing. And I love it. Like, right. Well, and I watched his interview on Rachel Maddow last night and she held him on for three segments. Right. And it was great. Uh, she threw a little bit of a smear question about his age at the end, but he was prepared for it. Right. But uh, yeah. everything like she basically had to admit that like everyone else had, had tried to copy him. And he just said, well, that's a great form of flattery, but, you know, nothing's better than the, the real deal. Um, and he he looked younger, like he just looked younger than I'd seen him in a while. You know, and you can do good things with makeup and, and lighting and everything. But he just he seemed very he centered, seemed very, very calm. Uh, he smiled a lot, which, you know, when you're doing a something speech, you want to get fired up. Right. When you do an interview and the cameras are up close, you want to seem likable and relatable. And he, he did yeah, that be very well. Yeah. And I don't know where he gets his energy from because, you know, he, he did like what, four parades uh, last on, week on, on 4th of July day. alone. Yeah. yeah. On the 4th of July alone, he did four you fucking know, Iowa parades. I've, I've never I don't have that much energy. You know, and I'm <laughs> half his age, right? Yeah. Uh, it, so, yeah, and he's just fucking killing it. He's killing it out there. And, you know, hopefully Biden's going to keep circling the drain. Uh, he just cannot. My, my mother said to me, like, he hasn't progressed at all since he was vice president. And I was like, Mom, he hasn't progressed at all <laughs> since the fucking 1970s. The guy is stuck in, a, in a, an era, you know, and you watch it. Watch Biden. You go back and watch his debate with Sarah Palin. Now, anyone could fucking destroy her in a debate. Yeah. Um, a but you just, moron. Biden was prepared and enunciating and knew what he was doing. And now he fucking slurs his words, makes up new words. These slurs together. He's just a fucking mess. He gets right? lost and, in his answer and like tries to cut his own answer off. Like he's just, yeah, he, he's, he's done. He's fucking he's done. The worst. It, but yeah, they keep propping him up. They keep saying, oh, no, he's pulling better than anyone. Well, who'd you pull? Oh, just, you know, Matlock was on. So that's when we called him. <laughs> yeah um and you know and there's one other great thing from bernie this week so he posted this tweet uh saying wall street executives may hate us that's fine this excuse me this campaign is about standing with the working people of this country and in that tweet he also included a gif that was taken it looks like from just kind of an impromptu uh policy speech he was giving on the street you know sometimes he'll have like one of his interns kind of video him when he wants to give a thing and yeah. as he's recording this UPS driver with like a hundred Amazon packages on this giant fucking pallet is like pushing a pallet past him. And as this guy passes him, just, he just pats Bernie on the shoulder and like throws his thumbs up and Bernie like doesn't even yeah, flinch. Does, it's like the doesn't even stop. He's just in the middle of thing. wheeling in this huge dolly full of boxes. <laughs> and just gives Bernie a little pat on the shoulder like you're doing a doing a great job, you know, and Bernie doesn't even like he just keeps going. He doesn't like react to it. He's not like, oh, somebody touched me like he just, <laughs> you know, because he, he the guy was walking. So Bernie saw the guy coming towards him. He's on a, yeah. a crowded, crowded, you know, sidewalk in, on on Wall Street. You know, you, Street, you can't. Maybe, yeah. yeah, you can't really. You know, you can't really. Uh, um, you know, people bump into you. You got to deal with that, right? So he just—it's yeah. like it's such a beautiful moment, like like the kind of thing that only would happen to Bernie Sanders. You know, like the bird landed on the podium kind of thing. <laughs> uh, and, and I saw it circulated for a, a few hours before the campaign actually put it out. So <laughs> I don't know who got their hands on it first, but I'm sure like someone from the campaign saw it and was like, this is such a, it's just such a beautiful and poignant, like little, yeah, and like glimpse about, it and it's like this just two second clip, but it's like everything that the Bernie campaign's about. It's like this guy 
this fucking poor guy is walking around in July pushing. Uh, it looks like a, 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 it's literally a stack of boxes taller than him, all with fucking Amazon logos on it. And it's like he knows Bernie's fighting for him. That's why he, you know, th- he pats him on the back and throws the thumbs up in the back yeah, end of the video. Absolutely. Like, it's just beautiful. I don't know. I, re- I really love that when I saw that. Well, and also there was that that gif of, uh, you know, Trump getting startled. He's actually being startled by somebody who tried to jump up onto the stage a couple years ago. <laughs> and somebody like photoshopped in Bernie doing like the hand gesture, like the socialism, like the so it looks like <laughs> that Bernie was startling Trump, yeah. right? And that gift's been out there forever. And fucking the Bernie Sanders campaign actually posted that that gif. <laughs> and fucking Mike Cernovich, of all people, was I think it was him, was like yeah, he the Bernie, Bernie campaign is openly mocking an assassin, assassination attempt. Bernie's campaign is calling for violence against the president. It was like, <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? You fucking little oh snowflake. Yeah, so that was funny. But, Scared uh, yeah. of the gif, the, the, the alt-right. Yeah. It's almost like he's a total grifter and doesn't believe anything he actually says. Or maybe, I don't know, who he, he's a fucking lunatic. Who knows? Um, but yeah, so, uh, you know, uh, there was some other interesting uh, news this week. We talked earlier in the week about Pelosi and AOC kind of trading barbs and Pelosi being super dismissive. Um, you know, the, the, the usual Pelosi bullshit. Um, so the... Uh, Pelosi apparently had a closed door meeting with Democrats uh, this week, and it's super clear that she can't fucking stand AOC and the rest of the uh, the, the squad, the, the squad, which is actually it, it's cool. It's an easier way to refer to them <laughs> as the squad. Uh, they're referring to themselves as AOC, Ayanna Presley, Rashida Tlaib, Ilhan Omar. Um, and AOC, like for the most part, kind of just took the high road. But I think she's like realized it's like becoming a pattern where this wealthy old fucking dried up white woman is just constantly attacking women of color who are to her left. And so Pelosi had like a closed door meeting with the whole caucus. And and then she, you know, uh, she gave the speech to everybody, but it was very clearly directed at them. Uh, and according to people in the meeting, she said, uh, you got a complaint, you come and talk to me about it, but do not tweet about our members and expect us to just think that is okay. Pelosi told Democrats in a closed door caucus meeting Wednesday, according to a source in the room. Yeah. Pelosi, they, where there's, there's more, let me finish. Because it, 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 it gets even worse. Pelosi warned that Democratic infighting plays into GOP hands and defended the moderates in the caucus. Quote, I'm here to help the children. I'm here to help the children when it's easy and when it's hard. So they're children. Some of you are here to make a beautiful pate, but we're making sausage most of the time, Pelosi said. Without that unity, we are playing completely into the hands of the other people. So, you know, you, you, oh, you don't know what you're taught. You you dumb kids. You know, you don't know how the sausage is made. Yeah. You're just, you, it, yeah. fucking, the condescension. Nancy Pelosi is a smug fuck. She's like, a she's smug, just a fuck. rich fuck who absolutely eats pate all the time. So, it, like, you, right. what do you think? Fucking AOC who could barely afford her the two apartments that she has to maintain to, to you know, live in her district is eating fucking pate? No. Nancy Pelosi at her fucking $100 million vineyard in the Napa Valley is certainly eating pate. <laughs> you know? So she can go fuck herself. Right. Well, the, the idea that she can go to New York Times whenever she wants and and spit out venom at them, uh, but they're not allowed to respond on Twitter. Really? Yeah. So she's the, a fucking fossil. She doesn't even understand right. Twitter. 
Like well, no, I th- she does. She does. She understands it's a democratic platform where people well, yeah, can say yeah, whatever they want and it can get boosted be- by people who uh, aren't lobbyists, you know, and that that's how these people have gotten a huge following is because they actually have a, a real base of people. That's how they communicate with them. So, of course, Nancy Pelosi despises that. You know, that, that's the reason why people on the left get banned from Twitter all the time is because, the, the, the you know, the rules were designed for people like Nancy Pelosi. Right. Well, yeah. she, they were designed by people like Nancy Pelosi yeah. for us to, to protect. Yeah. And to protect people. like her. So there was a further quote in that in that um, from from that meeting. Pelosi also forcefully defended the centrists in the caucus and said that it's better for Democrats to criticize her than to attack the most vulnerable members publicly. Quote, I hope there will be some level of respect and sensitivity for our for our each individual experience that we bring to this caucus, Pelosi said. You make me the target, but don't make our blue dogs or our new Dems the target in all of this because we have important fish to fry, Pelosi said. Uh, yeah, Ill- like, like important fish to fry, like not impeaching Trump and like giving more money to uh, to ICE. Yeah. Without any strings attached whatsoever to the fucking concentration camps for children that were operating on the border. Yeah. She, d- right. You're doing a fucking bang up job, Nancy. Bang. So what, what, did we, what did we retake fossil. the house for? What was the point of retaking the house? Nancy Pelosi, I don't remember, you know, to resist. This, she said, that, well, if you make me speaker of the house again, I will, you know, bring a vote for $15 an hour minimum wage within my first hundred hours. Well, it's been what, five months now? Where is it? Where the fuck is it? So she's a fucking liar. She's a smug fuck and she's a liar. And she does deals with the GOP that only benefit the GOP. She she trusted that Mitch McConnell would not have that money go to new detention facilities and, and took him at his word. Right. So uh, clearly she's not incompetent. But if she wasn't competent, she needs to resign. But she's not yeah. incompetent. She's evil. Right. So because of that, she needs she's to fucking She's a fucking, fucking fascist. She's a white supremacist. And a, you know, I, I, I forget where I saw it, but I saw somebody on Twitter said, you know, white feminism is white supremacy in a skirt. That's all it is. It's like. Right. Uh, and, you know, and that's not to say all white people are feminists, but white feminism, meaning white centric feminism, uh, you know, using the language of feminism while constantly shitting on female women of, co- uh, you know, women of color. Well, when, and when Jill Biden refers to Jesse Jackson as a boy. That's racism. When yeah. Nancy Pelosi refers to the, you know, AOC, Ilhan Omar, Rashida Tlaib, uh, Alana, when she calls them children, that's that's condescension. That's racism, right? Like that is, mm-hmm. it's no different when you do yeah. that kind of thing when you talk in that yeah. way to people. Uh, so it, for <laughs> the, the, the last <clears throat> last little bit from that article though that I really loved, Ilhan Omar never failing to come through with the W. Uh, Omar Omar defended herself and allies uh, and said lawmakers should vote as they see fit. "Quote: Our job isn't to make sure that we have our colleagues uh, that we have our colleagues voting a certain way." Omar told reporters, "I hope that leadership understands their role and understands what our role is." So that was a pretty fucking concise and to the point uh, response to uh, to Nancy Pelosi's garbage fucking yeah, comments. Well, she, she just like I, like I've said a couple of times, she needs to go back to just occupying Nancy Pelosi's office with the Sunrise kid, uh, Movement kids. Yeah, well, no, that was Omar, but yeah, AOC also had a good good response. Oh, yeah, my my apologies, I did I mixed that up there. Um, yeah, I mean, why the, she? They're never going to respect you, right? Just fucking 
stick your foot up their ass and break it off, right? Just go in there and agitate every day, agitate, agitate, agitate. And if there's somebody who, you know, you're, you're being a centrist piece of shit and they just got in there and they barely won their seat, too fucking bad, you know? Yeah. Like, like that's, that's the price you pay, right? If you don't, if you want to, someone to be a leader, have them be a leader, Right. No, but if you, you don't can't win your to... own. If you can't win your own we... district by being as, as brave and fearless and fighting for working people as AOC, then you don't deserve to hold on to the seat. Sorry, but comrade, you don't understand. We need to get moderate Democrats in so that we can hold a majority, so that then we can vote for things like totally un- no strings attached money for Trump's border facilities. Like what? What don't you understand about that? That's how we. That's how we resist is by getting Democrats in there who are five inches to the left of Trump. And we'll vote for all the shit that he wants them to do anyway. Isn't that? that, that? I, yeah, I feel like there's a segue here to our, our uh, <laughs> to the next person we were going to be talking about on the show. <laughs> uh, well, there. No, we will talk about her in a second. But there's one more thing. AOC had a comment too. After that, uh, yeah. I just want to get to real quick. So, um, she got interviewed by the, I guess, by the New Yorker. Um, so she uh, said, uh, quote, when these comments first started, I kind of thought that she was keeping the progressive flank at more of an arm's distance in order to protect uh, more moderate members, which I understood. Uh, Ocasio, oh, the Washington Post. Ocasio-Cortez told the Washington Post. Uh, but the persistent singling out, it gets to a point where it was just outright disrespectful. The, express, uh, the explicit singling out of newly elected women of color, she added. Um and she basically later in the article goes on to say, like, yeah, I'm, I'm just fucking done with it. Like, you know, she like she it, it, she she could say whatever the hell she wants. I'm, I'm like done playing nice with her, essentially. So, right. I, you know, that- well, they haven't met each other since February. They haven't directly talked to each other at all since February, yeah. which so is right this- around when she occupied her office. I think like after that was when they had their first face to face meeting in February. Yeah, their little, their, their little uh, Rolling Stone cover shoot. They did that. And then everyone was appalled by that. And it was like, don't fucking play nice with these people because they are not your friends. They're never going to be your friends. So, I mean, I'm sorry. I had to find I out the hard like, way, I understand, like, you don't turn down the chance to be on the cover of Rolling Stone, but then, of course, Rolling Stone, the neoliberal fucks that they are, were like, oh, no, we have to have Pelosi in it, too. Put her in here with all these vibrant young women who just got elected, all these leftists. fucking completely opposed to her and, upon her victory, Uh insulted her said well that's a fluke joe crowley was you know great guy and we you know he was our our rising star to someday take over speaker of the house himself um so yeah no i mean it's just they 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 had this system (laughs) where and then you see the comments where people that are like oh well if this is the way ilhan omar is going to be i just random twitter comments if this is the way ilhan omar is going to be it's more trouble than it's worth like, what did you fucking want representation from women of color for exactly to fucking just go along and, you know, play nice with all the rich white they, people? They wanted iconography. The they wanted iconography. They wanted to, you know, it, all it was is that that picture of the the Muslim woman in a hijab with the American flag hijab. That's all they wanted is a silent fucking piece of iconography that they could use to yeah. say, oh, we're super diverse and accepting, but shut the fuck up. Don't actually try to do I, anything to help other they, people they of color the, that were bombing. The episode of, of West Wing where, you know, one of the interns is Muslim, but doesn't, they don't want a major, a main character on the show West Wing to be Muslim. Right. They don't they don't they want the optics without having to to actually see the person and have them actually exist in their everyday life. 
you know, and be it's, on TV, yeah. be say, actually being a, 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 a proactive protagonist. That's not what their liberal Hollywood brains have told them is the place for a, a Muslim congresswoman. No, it's like it's like J.K. Rowling. It's like, oh, no, Dumbledore is totally gay. I didn't make him gay in any of the stories and give, you know, the gay community Agency character to, to represent them. Just, just an afterthought. And even yeah. after that news came out, I wrote another movie called Fantastic Beasts, uh, the second one, where, which had him in it and apparently didn't feature any kind of gay undertones whatsoever, uh, where she had a total chance to retcon everything that she did. And she still didn't do it because she really doesn't give a fuck about gay people. She just wanted yeah. the fucking social clout from acting like she's an ally and then she's a total fucking turf and she hates all left it but you know oh uh, yeah somebody, that's, that's all these people it, like it that. was one of those, those retcon things was making sulu gay <clears throat> in the uh the last uh star trek film they mm-hmm. you, you like see him with a guy like holding hands and uh george takai was like no i'm not down with that and george takai was gay he was like, we yeah. didn't write the character as gay. I'm not okay with you changing the character after the fact just because you want to look good. You know, yeah. like, and I thought that was a pretty, I, I liked that he was that, like, he cared more about the character than he did yeah, about no, some bullshit that. liberalism. Yeah. He's also a liberal piece of trash in, you know, nowadays, but that, but that yeah. moment, he had a good <laughs> moment there. Yeah. Right. Exactly. He, I think yeah. just more that he was saying, like, you know, doing this retcon thing to pretend like we haven't had all this homophobia is not okay. Like then you're just trying yeah. to cover it up. Yeah. No cops of pride, basically. <laughs> exactly. what we're saying. Um, yeah. So, um, but yeah, so, so the last thing I wanted to get into real quick, uh, is, is another, uh, story about just absolutely garbage, worthless Democrats, uh, who are maybe, you know, five degrees to the left of Donald Trump on their best day. Um, Amy McGrath is this candidate uh, running against uh, Mitch McConnell uh, for Senate in uh, what state? Kentucky. Kentucky? Yeah. Kentucky. Uh, Running in Kentucky for Senate uh, as a Democrat, quote unquote. Um, And her thing is like Mitch McConnell is like not strong enough. Like he's not right wing. Like basically she is. I would, from everything I've gathered from her and all the stuff I've heard her say about how she, her and her husband are moderates and we don't support universal health care and all this other stuff that um, she seems to be as right wing as anyone in the caucus, including like a Joe Manchin. She said she would have, she was asked this week about uh, Brett Kavanaugh and she said, she, yeah, I probably would have voted to confirm Brett Kavanaugh. Right. Only one so, Democrat voted to confirm Brett Kavanaugh. Joe Manchin is the only Democrat that voted to confirm Brett Kavanaugh. Right. And he's the fucking worst. And he's the worst Democrat. And, he, and he's a, yeah, he's an absolute well, Republican. But, so yeah. people people were saying that she's actually a Trump supporter. So I looked it up. And when she was asked why she was running against Mitch McConnell, her answer is basically was saying, well, McConnell's uh, not right wing or he's McConnell's been holding back Trump from doing the things that he promised to do. I'll read you the quote. Uh, it, if you think if you think about why Kentuckians voted for Trump, they wanted to drain the swamp. And Trump said that he was going to do that. McGrath said during an announcement, uh, Trump promised to bring back jobs. He promised to lower drug prices for so many Kentuckians. And that is very important. Uh, and you know what? Who stops them along the way? Or basically, who stops Trump? Uh, Who stops the president from doing all these things? It's Mitch McConnell. So literally, her reason for running against Mitch McConnell is because he's holding back Trump, and she wants Trump to be able to do all these things that he promised to do. 
So sounds pretty fucking pro-Trump to me. So you've got a Democrat that wants Trump to be able to fulfill more of his agenda. Now, admittedly, some of those things she mentioned are probably good uh, if they were actually done by someone like, say, Bernie Sanders. Um, it, it, you know, it, to, to say that she's not pro-Trump uh, is absurd. No rational yeah. mind could think that she's not pro-Trump with a quote like that. Yeah, and, and, and she stands for absolutely nothing, of course, and everything she does stand for is insanely right-wing. She Her whole thing is like, I'm not Mitch McConnell, and and, and she used to be a fucking troop. That's like her only two things that she uh, oh, yeah. has she got, to her name. Her, like, in her logo, has a fucking, fucking fighter jet. In, yeah. Has a fucking fighter jet, yeah. Um, there was a guy in Michigan... Uh, it was like a, a black guy who had been in the military and was like an Apache helicopter pilot. And he did the same thing and he fucking lost. But, uh, still it's just, it's like the optics of that. Like who, like who wants to see that? I know it's kind of like, yes, we're an imperialist nation, but like when you put it right in your fucking logo, like, mm-hmm. ew, gross. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah, no, it's absolutely gross. Um, so, you know, she, she's absolute garbage. It's typical Democratic party trash. And, of course, the party is going to totally support her. I'm sure Mitch McConnell will have a populist leftist running against him also, you know, in that in the Democratic primary. And I'm sure the Democratic Party will do everything imaginable to fucking bury that person. And if that person sure. was actually given... Uh, you know, like you run a Richard Ojeda against Mitch McConnell, Richard Ojeda would rip Mitch McConnell's fucking head off and, you know, shit down his neck. But like, that's never going to be the person that the Democratic Party supports because he actually people like no. Richard Ojeda actually support things that would fucking help people like right. universal well, health care. They, they like, want the fucking centrists who are in a weak position politically and they want them there because they know that they'll do anything they want to keep their seat. Right. They don't yep. want somebody who's really far on the left who actually could win a popular vote and then have a shitload of power in the heartland. They don't want leftists to, to have that broad uh, working class base in in red districts. Right. They don't want to have that happen. So that's why they so are so terrified of someone like Bernie Sanders, who polls really well in red states. They're fucking terrified of that. Yeah. Yeah. No, of course they are. Um, yeah. I mean, it's just really. And, and you know, they love having people like Joe Manchin in Congress, and that's why you'll hear people like Elizabeth Warren talking about how she wants to make a spirited defense of Joe Manchin when she was, like, getting interviewed on TYT. They love having them in Congress because it makes it really easy to say, well, you know, I did want to do it, but shit. I mean, look, I mean, the, you know, I can't get jo- I can't force Joe Manchin to vote uh, with us on 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 single payer. So, I, exactly. you know, I guess we can't do it They because they don't want to do that shit, but they love to appear like they want to do that shit. And it's a great excuse for them to have a bunch of fucking Republicans calling themselves Democrats uh in there to kill any bill that's actually going to hurt them with their donors. Like that's the whole point of Joe Manchin and Doug Jones and fucking Heidi Heitkamp who got annihilated in her last election because voters don't even fucking want that, especially in those States. They want somebody who they think is not going to bullshit them. And then they realize that every fucking right wing Democrat that, that manages to bullshit them was bullshitting them. Like that's, that's what they realize. So, you know, it, it's really, Does she still have a job at MSNBC. Who? Heidi Heidkamp. I'm sure. I'm sure she's a paid consultant to show up three times a year and talk about how horrible Bernie Sanders is and socialism and how (laughs) How his his followers are so mean on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. She's the worst. She was the fucking worst. 
just absolute garbage. But so, and in any event, um, I'm sure she'll, you know, she'll be the nominee and she'll lose to Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell, the easiest person on the fucking planet to beat. It's like you could, you know, I, 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 he might, I think he actually has a lower approval rating than Ted Cruz. So the fact that you can't fucking find somebody that could beat Mitch McConnell these, these last fucking 15 years or whatever it's been is pathetic. Uh, and, and should show you how, you know, you're really just not at all, uh, geared for politics. If, if these, if these are the people that you're picking, but you know, that's again, that's the bug, not the feature, or that the feature, not the bug. Yeah. And then they um, say, well, why don't young people want to turn out and vote more? We don't understand. Yeah, I, I can't, if I can't only they would turn out and vote more, then we would have a chance to fight some of these, some of these battles. But no, it's the, it's the young people's fault for not trying. Why wouldn't, why wouldn't young women want to turn out and vote for somebody who said they would have uh, put a rapist on the Supreme Court? I can't imagine why young Democrats wouldn't want to turn out and support that it, person. It's got to be gerrymandering or it's Russia. <laughs> always yeah, yeah it's got to be russia they, they it's russia and those darn republicans making it harder to vote you know and i'm not saying they're not but I, but it's like that's they blame that to totally to you know blow the fucking uh steam off the fact that they run uh other republicans so it's like well i don't want to vote for republicans so i think i just won't vote that's my yeah, choice no exactly republican and, and republican. russell brand had a great he had a great talk about it that with uh one time at least that i saw maybe twice probably more times that i haven't seen but you know people just saying like well it's it's the young people who don't vote and he's like it's because they you know it's the the person who was interviewing basically said well young people are so apathetic and he said it's not the young people that are apathetic it's the politicians that are apathetic to the needs of young people that is that's where the apathy comes from it's not coming from people who just don't give a shit. There's a reason they don't give a shit anymore is because they tried and you told them, you know, go start your own party. You told them that their their needs and concerns don't matter. Right. So why would you fucking pay fealty to people like that? People like Nancy Pelosi. Why would you want to respect them and honor them? What good is their experience when their only experience in their age has been to, you know, turn the, the fucking world into a hellscape? Yeah. Yeah, no, of course. And Russell Brand always just has some, you know, for, for such a for such a uh, on the surface kind of like uh, boisterous and kind of not goofy, but like just really rambunctious guy. He's always got really profound shit to say when you actually ask him about politics or about society and things like that. He's a I like that dude a lot. No, um, he's always saying how you know when you know when I had no money and I hated capitalism. They said I was just jealous of of people's wealth. Now that I have money and I still hate capitalism, people say I'm just a hypocrite. So, yeah. so like, <laughs> like I think, I think it's, yeah. The, the the problem is is clearly not him. You know, it's like the old the old uh, phrase or the old saying the. Some uh, missionary, please, said it. Said, you know, when I when I feed the children, you call me a saint. When I ask the or when I feed the homeless, you call me a saint. When I when I ask why the homeless have no food, you call me a communist. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. The problem is not with me and my actions. The problem is with society. Yeah. Well, you know, people don't like being uh, don't people don't like having a mirror held up to them. And that's, I think that's the overriding theme of all of those types of quotes. Sure, nobody does if they don't like, yeah, I mean, if you like who you are, you like having a mirror held up to you, right? But, but, but like societally, like people, I think a lot of people who don't question capitalism, don't question just the absolute uh, lack of humanity built into capitalism, built into the design, don't like having that held up and, and shown, you know, back to them in a mirror. And it's like, well, maybe you should think about this shit more. 
Right. Well, um, and then but, you know. the 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 perversion of that is you get philanthropists yeah, who, so, who yeah. think that. Well, I'm I'm it. fixing the ills of society with my gifts, right? And then you have things like, oh, well, we'll just defund the schools and we'll wait for Zuckerberg to come in and say, oh, charter schools. Yeah, I'll fund those. I'll fund private charter schools and I'll decide what the curriculum is. It's all, all going to be, you know, according to what my corporate interests are. Uh, and that, I mean, I, I saw that as early as middle school. We had to watch Channel One every day because we got free TVs in every classroom paid for by, you know, MTV or Coca-Cola, whoever the fuck it was. And they would show us this, this, you know, it's where Anderson Cooper started out. It's where Lisa Ling started out. We was doing this little 15 hour news segment for, for kids to watch, you know, and we learned about some things in the world and there was some decent journalism, but then they got to show us ads. So you got to watch like 11 minutes of news and four minutes of ads piped into school every morning. And then you wonder why we have an obesity epidemic and everyone's drinking fucking liters of cola after liters of cola. They're all getting obese. Uh, but then, of course, can't get free health care because that would be socialism. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's that 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 whole cycle of how you keep people stuck with nothing and you get the people who have all the money you know, getting up to the podium saying, Hey, I just gave you $50 million to build a new school. Uh, that'll be expensive as hell to, uh, to go to. And then they get rounds of applause after rounds of applause. Right. So fuck philanthropy. Yeah. Well, I assume Anderson Cooper got that job because of his, uh, tireless dedication to journalism and his, his incredible skills as a journalist. Uh, I mean, they were only on his own merits. Yeah. They were all very young. This is, this is go- we're talking about like the early nineties, right? So they're all very young and they, it was decent. I remember they actually did field reporting on the show and they actually went into like real war zones and, and like they did have some decent journalism. They did some stuff on there. I was actually impressed with even from, you know, a young age, I could kind of tell like, this isn't, it's not total bullshit. It's just bunkered, but you know, <laughs> around all these fucking ads <laughs> for M&Ms and, and Pepsi. Yeah. Well, that was before. I, it, the, I mean, it's always been bad and propagandized. But the times, it, the time it really got bad when it came to war reporting and foreign policy reporting was during the Bush administration because they, Dick Cheney, realized like it was a really bad PR look for uh, right wing administrations uh, or just for America in general <laughs> to show. Are you, are you dying over there? You're right. Yeah, I'm right. Don't worry. Okay. <laughs> to show out. all. <laughs> It's fine to show all the um, coffins of all the dead soldiers coming back from Vietnam. So Dick Cheney, you know, made it basically a mandate to all these media companies, like, don't show the coffins coming back from Iraq and Afghanistan. Uh, And that's like and that's when you stop seeing people report from the field. I mean, and even before that, it was almost total bullshit. They would embed journalists, which means that they would just put you with a battalion and then they would become friends with these guys and you would see the most sanitized, uh, you know, uh, propagandized portrayal of what we were doing in country a or country B. And you wouldn't at all get like a real on the ground sense of what was happening or what we were doing, you know, well, we still don't have any reporting in the the news about our wars still. I mean, that's voluntary. You don't even need a mandate from, from the white house. But uh, one of the other things I've talked about this before, but one of the other things that uh, CIA did was they would um, basically write letters for troops overseas for them to, to be printed in like their hometown newspaper, right? Like, Oh, the war's going great. Everything's wonderful. Just protecting free, like just completely astroturfing the, you know, the, the, the contentness amongst our troops that were overseas, right? So complete fabrication 
of what they were going through. It's like, well, you, you, you're too busy to write a letter. We'll just write it for you. Right. So they yeah. were written for like real people. It was just let us write this letter for you. Right. And I'm yeah. sure they use like the same same template all over the country. Yeah, I'm sure if you went through, you'd find like the exact same, you know, like one or two words. Like it's like a Joe Biden speech, you know, and just a couple right. words. Exactly. Yeah. And they and, and that's, you know, that's easy stuff to do. That's easy propaganda. Right. And, and that's the stuff that it's like they could not do it and it would have almost probably no difference anyway. But the fact that they still do it, um, you know, just shows how much they're afraid of public dissent in this country that that. You, you really easily we could do a lot of shit and really change things and that's you know knowing how easy that could be is what terrifies these people in power that they're vastly outnumbered and if enough people get pissed off at the right time at the same time you could you could have a you know a, a real fucking revolution you could have enough you know wide maybe not riots but like widespread demonstrations where people really just <clears throat> shut things down we talked a little about this the other day but that's the thing they fear the most is is yeah. mass revolt yeah absolutely absolutely um yeah all right so i think that pretty much does it for us this week um we uh got to a lot of stuff even though it was a pretty short week uh we managed to cover a lot of ground uh, so if you want to help out the show, uh, obviously you called it a home run. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, no, we, yeah, definitely. I realized um, I, I hadn't worked in a sports analogy yet. So I just, <laughs> since you were, you know, covered grounds, uh, you know, just using, you know, hyperbole. Yeah, no, we hit, we, we hit a touchdown tonight. We, we hit a touchdown right out of the park tonight. I think that's right. is what I, you meant. A <laughs> uh, uh, three point field goal. <laughs> That's that's actually correct. I know. I thought you were trying to do like a fucking. Um, but yeah. So <laughs> uh, if you want to support the show uh, and help us get uh, some sporting lessons for Comrade, uh, you can uh, rate and review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Uh, oh, and by the way, you know, I did want to mention I, I wanted to mention it last week. Congrats to the U.S. women's soccer team for winning the World Cup. Um <laughs> You know, it's usually I'm not into usually the kind of whole like, you know, arbitrarily support this team because they're the women's Americans. Sports, and, you're not into women's sports is what you're trying to say? No, no, no. Fucking women's soccer is so much better than U.S. men's soccer. But um, I'm not into the whole like, oh, I'm going to root for them just because it's the U.S. team. You know, I, I find that to be a little like, you know, forced patriotism. But sure, they got to be the U.S. team and win the World Cup. And then I'll, yeah, then they get the, the no, but they're, but they're pretty badass. And like they and and Megan Rapinoe is like the team captain never uh, gives up an opportunity to shit talk Trump. And he, and he makes yeah. him fucking nuts, which is super hilarious. So uh, oh, it makes you know. the, all the fucking little Ben Shapiro shit their pants. He's just oh, like, my God. Hey, if he want, wants to get equal pay, why don't you work harder? Like world champion? Not good enough for Ben Shapiro. What won like three of the last like five World Cups? Like what? What the fuck? Yeah, they, they were Men's talking about this on on TYT day. They were playing Ben Shapiro's little fucking mouse voice. You know, Ben Shapiro. He's like, well, uh, yeah, oh, granted, she's talented. You know, not not like that Colin Kaepernick. Uh, and they were all in TYT. Were like, not talented. Anyone in the NFL is more talented than any other football player in the country. Just being like the worst, they said this, they're like the worst NFL team would destroy the best college team, you know? Yeah. So to, to say that Colin Kaepernick, Kaepernick took a is team not to the talented. fucking Super Bowl. 
uh, and Colin yeah. Kaepernick has had like the third, uh, like uh, something like the third or fourth best QB rating, like in the in the last year that he played. I think it was 2016. Yeah, um, uh, it, 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 small it's enough. Popular, you could probably yeah. drop kick him pretty far if you were a fucking <laughs> football player. Just like just tie him up with a ball and just fucking just like like it's a small dog and you just fucking kick it as far as you Punt can. Punt him, yeah. No, he, he's definitely puntable for sure. But yeah, I mean, that, that was, that's always been the most hilariously uh, bad talking point is that, oh, well, Colin Kaepernick just wasn't good enough to make it in the NFL because then you have people like, uh, I can't even remember his name, this fucking awful uh, Bills quarterback who threw like five interceptions in, in the first half of a game last year. <laughs> it's like, yeah, no, he's not good enough to, to play over that guy. Give me a fucking break. But in any no. event. Ben um, doesn't know anything about sports. Uh, probably knows less about sports than I do. So. <laughs> yeah, it's a comparable level, but he but he pretends like he's a, a sports. He pretends like he's Nate Silver all of a sudden. <laughs> I know. And, and uh, as we've said many times, anyone that's equally impassioned about sports and politics probably knows nothing about either one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, they, they look at, at politics the way that like they try to apply like the, the batting average. Uh, you, you know, you get in what's that called? Uh, basketball or uh, or is it baseball? It's one of the two. Let me, let, let me, let me rescue here. So, no, I, it, it's, <laughs> it's, it's the one it's with the worse. bat. It's the one with the bat. It's not wiffle ball. It's, it's even worse because like people like Nate Silver are super into like saber metrics and all these really obscure and, and like this kind of money ball, like new age baseball statistics where, where basically I won't bore you, but basically it's like all these little metrics that didn't really exist in old time baseball uh, that were kind of created in the two thousands by like these wall street fucks who were like, no, well what you really need to do is put together a team that has really high OBP and, 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 and all this, and all these, but that's an old stat, but like all these random right. ass stats well, and they they out their ass. this week where he said, I don't see how Bernie has a, a chance when he only has, you know, a, a strong base amongst 15% of the country. I was like, what? Yeah, that's the, that's that's absurd for one. I mean, if you have a strong base with 15% of the country, that's a huge number of voters. If you can get 15% of the voters to go out and knock on doors for you, you win the fucking election. OK, so to, to like that's those are the people who are very strong in supporting Bernie. Right. Yeah. How many very strong people? How many you know, what's what's Biden's base of strong voters? I mean, you look at his favorability rating and it's it's like lower, I think, even lower than Hillary Clinton's. Um, so, yeah, the, the, the numbers he pulls out of his ass and pretends like their science numbers are ridiculous. Yeah, but, but that's why I mean. it, it's a whole generation of fucking dweeby, uh, you know, uh, losing their hair prematurely uh, fucking nerds like Nate Silver, who couldn't hit a baseball if his life depended on it suddenly became relevant in baseball because of these really like unnecessarily complicated stats. And so now every team has a guy like right. him that and he, compiles and, and he thinks he can apply that to fucking like politics. He's the only one. Like he's the gatekeeper of this obscure formula he figured out. And it's horseshit because this, this is the same person that said that Bernie Sanders couldn't win Michigan. Right. So they yeah, don't know what the exactly. fuck they're talking about. Cause they don't work in campaigns. They don't know anyone who's, you know, not, super rich like they are not super rich but lives in that pundit castle they're right? not even so, in the beltway yeah exactly right. they have no clue and they think well i don't need to know voters i don't need to know what people on the streets needs are because i figured out this formula that i've gotten published a bunch of times on my fucking website yeah yeah and they and they think things like you know uh, the amount of people you get to show up to your rallies are irrelevant 
which is of course why Hillary Clinton is president and Donald Trump is not. You know, that's that's totally, his, his massive rally crowds had no bearing whatsoever on the fact. You that might he, have all the public support, but you don't have any of the support of our fucking uh, cor- yeah. corporate think tanks. So yeah. I don't know where she gets her ideas thinking that she can come in here and tell me what to do. Uh, yeah. So Bernie Sanders with his massive crowd support, uh, you know, with massive crowds at rallies, absolutely meaningless. You know, our, our cherry picked poll of, 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 you know, 80 year old says that he's uh, in fourth place behind Kamala Harris and Elizabeth Warren now. So, you know, whatever. Um, so in any event, we we, I, we went for five more minutes there. But so in, in any event, I um, yeah, if you want to support the show, you can uh, rate and review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Uh, that helps the show out. Uh, follow us on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash move left, facebook.com slash move left idiots. Uh, you can become a patron if you want to support us that way, patreon.com slash move left. If you want to pick up any merch from the show, you can do that at uh, tinyurl.com slash move left merch. Uh, make sure you donate if you can to LaDonna's GoFundMe. Uh, you can just search uh, help LaDonna kick cancer's ass i think or cancer's butt on gofundme um i am on twitter at move underscore left i am on twitter at smut collector with the r not no r yeah and we will see you next week uh unless you're gonna listen to our stranger things cast on monday so see you then it's still next week but earlier next shut the fuck up week All right, goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> goodbye america <laughs>